Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. The 45th annual Lakota Nation Invitational is underway in Rapid City, South Dakota. What used to be mainly a basketball tournament has grown into a five-day event that includes more than a dozen other sports competitions like wrestling, volleyball, and golf, and cultural competitions like hand games, powwow, and archery. There are even prizes given for poetry slams, language bowls, and art shows. We'll talk with LNI organizers about what drives this popular competitive event for young Native students after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The Montana Board of Environmental Review is asking federal regulators to invalidate a water quality standard aimed at reducing pollution flowing into Montana from Canadian coal mines. Montana Public Radio's Aaron Bolton has more. In a letter to the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, the governor-appointed Board of Environmental Review is once again claiming the Lake Cucanoosa selenium standard is invalid. The pollution standard sets rules for how much selenium is acceptable in the lake. The toxin is known to harm fish reproduction. State Environmental Board officials earlier this year voted to overturn the current rule, saying it didn't follow federal standards. However, the Montana Department of Environmental Quality and the EPA have kept it in place, having previously approved the pollution standard. DEQ said the board doesn't have the power to invalidate the rule and that its claims don't merit review by the agency or the EPA. The EPA said in a statement to MTPR it's reviewing the board's letter. Tech Resources, which owns the Canadian coal mines that are the source of selenium pollution, and Lincoln County Commissioners have pushed the Board of Environmental Review for over a year to invalidate the standard. This comes as tribes from Montana, Idaho, and British Columbia push for international joint commission involvement under the U.S.-Canada Boundary Waters Treaty to stop pollution from the mines. For National Native News, I'm Aaron Bolton. The Watersmeet Township School District in Michigan's Upper Peninsula is bringing Ojibwe language and culture into the classroom. WXPR's Aaron Gottsacker spoke with school leaders about the changes and what they mean for the school's majority Native population. When Alina Shively was a student in Watersmeet, her Ojibwe heritage was largely ignored in the public schools. You know, it was actually kind of unheard of or... Um, any of our language or culture to be acknowledged on a daily basis. I mean, everybody knew we were Native kids and, you know, where we lived in town and where we were from, but um, it was never really embraced. But this year, that's changing. The school district is working with a consultant for Native American best practices to better include its indigenous students, who represent nearly 80% of the school's student body. We just want to make sure that everyone feels welcome and appreciated at the Waters Meet Township School District. That's George Peterson III, the district superintendent. He says some of the changes the school is implementing are small, like including Ojibwe greetings and daily announcements. Um, every morning we've added to our our morning announcements, um, Bajou, which means hello, instead of good morning. You know, she'll say Bajou, good morning. And then when she closes, she says Magwitch, which is Native American for thank you. Teachers are also making a concerted effort to include Ojibwe language and history in their lessons. It's a pretty 
eye-opening for everyone um, to see what what that culture has gone through and the way they were treated. It's pretty sad, really. But we, we want to help them get through that. And by helping them do that, we have to teach them about that and and, and move on from there. For Alina Shively, who's now the Historic Preservation Officer for the Lac Vitazer Tribe and a mother of three, these small changes represent a monumental shift from the time her parents attended an American Indian boarding school. You know, education hasn't been a fun experience in my family history, and I can say that that is really changing for my kids and all of our kids. That was Aaron Godsacker reporting, and I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by BNSF Railway, proudly supporting the nation's economy by moving the goods that feed, supply, and power communities across the country. More at bnsf.com slash tribal relations. Support by Ramona Farms, offering wholesome and delicious foods from our heirloom crops as our contribution to a better diet for the benefit of all people. We are honored to share our centuries-old farming and culinary traditions online at RamonaFarms.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Hundreds of young Native competitors are battling a snowstorm to get to Rapid City, South Dakota for one of the biggest Native events in the Great Plains region. The Lakota Nation Invitational started as a basketball tournament. Now dozens of teams are signed up to play everything from basketball and volleyball to language, art, and poetry competitions. There's even a match to determine the best business plans. We'll talk with the founder of the event and some of the other organizers about its origins and its impact on Native youth. We invite you to join us. Have you competed at LNI? Have you watched family members participate? Are you at LNI right now or maybe headed to Rapid City? You know the drill. Join us by calling 1 800 996 2848. That's also 1 800 99 Native. Our first guest is on the line in Rapid City, South Dakota, Brian Brewer. He's the basketball director for the Lakota Nation Invitational, and he's one of the founders of LNI. He's Oglala Lakota from Pine Ridge. Brian, welcome to Native America Calling. Well, thank you, Sean. It's an honor to be on your show today. You betcha, Brian. And the big news, of course, uh, in addition to the tournament, is the heavy winter weather in western South Dakota this week. Is it impacting folks traveling to Rapid? Uh, it is for our fans. Uh, a lot of them are, can't make it up yet. Uh, we were lucky that all tw uh, 24 schools were able to get here on Monday. Uh, so the basketball, the basketball, the 48 basketball teams are all here, and we started this morning at eight o'clock. So, so the basketball tournament is going as planned, as scheduled. Good to know. Good to know. Well, like I, I chatted with you before the show, and, and I'm headed myself up to Rapid City later this evening, so I'll be mindful of that winter weather uh, as I get into town. I'm really looking forward to it. And here we go. I mean, the, the tournament goes all the way back to 1976. Uh, Wow, it's just a 
four decades, more than four decades. Brian, looking back, when, when you first uh, worked with Chuck Cooney and some of the other folks to, to start LNI, did you ever think it'd still be going here in the year 2022 so strong? You know, when we had the tournament, uh, the four high schools on the Pine Ridge Reservation, uh, we couldn't get anyone. Uh, it was very hard to get schools to play us. This was right after Wounded Knee. Uh, teams were afraid to come to Pine Ridge, afraid of uh, there might be violence or something like that. And that is why the, uh, Dave Archambo was at uh, Little Wound, Ted Standing Soldier was at Red Cloud, and we got together and they just said, Brian, why don't you see if you can get a basketball tournament started so we can get some games on our schedule. So that's what I did. I uh, got hold of Powell Hat in Kansas uh, and uh, Omaha Nations in Nebraska, and they said, we'll come to Pine Ridge and play. So with that, we had our first little A-team tournament. We thought it would just probably go a couple of years, and it, here we are 45 years later. We're still going. Started out there in Pine Ridge, and then when did the tournament make the move to Rapid City? On the third year. The, our gym in Pine Ridge was so small, but it was packed for every game for two years. And uh, the uh, Rapid City Civic Center was brand new that year, and that's when the move happened on the third year of the All-Indian Tournament. It was moved to Rapid City, and it's been here ever since. So going back 1976, four teams, and click ahead to 2022, 48 teams, 24 boys teams, 24 girls teams. Wow. And, uh, of course, uh, this is now your second year at the Monument, that new venue as well there in Rapid City. How's that working out? It works out great. Uh, we, were, we were at a 16-team tournament, which we could handle with the two gymnasiums. Then when they finished the summit, that opened up opened it up for us. So we invited eight more boys teams and eight more girls basketball teams. So we are we are now at two 2014 tournaments. So it it really helped us out. We were able to bring in all of the other Indian schools that wanted to come in, but we just didn't have room for them. So right now we have every Indian school in South Dakota or the Ateca Shakoi is fully represented this year at the tournament. Brian, in past years, there have been concerns that uh, residents as well as community leaders in, in Rapid City and some of the surrounding communities were not as, as supportive of LNI as perhaps they could have been. Uh, there have been some unfortunate events over the years uh, with regards to racism and things like that. But, but now, right now, 2022, uh, have things changed uh, for the better? Are, are you happier in terms of how the community embraces the tournament? Yes, I am. You know, when we first came to Rapid City, it was very difficult. I used to say, you know, we sneak into Rapid City and we sneak back out, you know. Um, it was, we had some very difficult times here at the schools. Uh, but right now, I mean, things have changed so much over the years. Uh, Rapid City has uh, really stepped up. Uh, uh, the, the hotels, uh, uh, they give us 80 rooms to help with our officials. Uh, because of it, we're grown so much, we have about 80 basketball officials. So, the, the city, the hotels, they're giving us the rooms, which really helps us out. So, But, I, you know, things have really changed. I mean, there's still a lot of problems in Rapid City, you know, but uh, uh, the community, they have, have stepped up to, to try to help the Lakota Nation. And one of the big reasons is also the, the economic impact that we have on Rapid City. We, with, uh, you know, the thousands of people that come to this, uh, you know, we bring in, generate about 6,000. Six million dollars to the city of Rapid City, so so they really help us out, and that's one reason. But things are getting better, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot better. That's good news. 
$6 million economic impact uh, for this five-day tournament there in Rapid City. And Brian, the tournament, is it always uh, during this second to third week in December? Have you ever changed the dates around over the years? When we started the tournament, we always had it in February. And uh, one of the things that was uh, what I liked about the February tournament is that uh, uh, everybody had a, they were, it was towards the end of the season. The teams were all starting to peak out and playing their best. And we really, it was really a good tournament. Uh, but to get all of the schools together and to get the, the Civic Center, we had to move it to December. So it became a holiday tournament right before the Christmas holiday, which is, uh, you know, which is good also. The teams are fresh, you know, uh, is trying to figure out what type of teams they have, but it's a great venue to, to do that. Um, so the December has worked out real well for us. It's a little early in the season, but it's all right. Well, Brian, uh, any specific events or competitions that you're ex- especially excited about this year? Well, you know, uh, the basketball tournament was always the biggest event. Now, right now, our hand game tournament is our biggest event. We have over 50 teams coming in, so they have more. We have more hand games teams coming in than basketball teams. But there are so many things going on: the poetry slam, the archery, our knowledge bowl, our Lakota language bowl. There's just so many things of the poetry slam. There's just so many things where we have over 3,000 students will be coming in to participate in all of our events this week. So that is very exciting just to see our our children and, and for us to be able to showcase their talents. Brian, thank you again for joining us, and, and congratulations on the 45th Lakota Nation Invitational. Folks, Brian Brewer, he's speaking with us from Rapid City. He's Oglala Lakota, and he's a founder of LNI. Our next guest uh, is on the line as well in Rapid City, Chuck Wilson. He's the president of the board for the Lakota Nation Invitational. He's Lakota from the Rosebud Sioux Tribe. Chuck, welcome to Native America Calling as well. Good morning, Sean. Well, Chuck, I'm just really excited hearing about not just the basketball, but all these other events, language bowl, hand games. Uh, How did these other competitions come to be a part of the Invitational? I I just think out of need, really, you know, because all of these, all the things that we're doing in in L&I, you know, they they were being done in the schools. And, uh, you know, um, so it just really was like a natural migration for us to start including the men in, in the tournament uh, because this is what our Native kids were doing in their schools. So, you know, that's really kind of how they all got started. So it's just a, a logical extension of what was already taking place in classrooms, uh, in various communities. Well, there's so much to talk about here. The hand games, uh, the language, well, the business plan competition, that, that I have a special interest in that. It, just, it sounds really cool. And I'm envisioning something like Shark Tank with these really hardcore, like, venture capitalist type people really putting these kids uh, through, the, through the hoops to get them to defend their business plan. How, how does it work? You know, they, they all come in with a plan. You know, I want to start a business. Uh, this is what I want. This is what it's going to take for me to do it. Uh, you know, and, and they got to have it all laid out. And really, that's something that when you go to a bank, you're going to have to do that. And, you know, really, in, in, for our reservations, they're, they're the future, uh, you know, of getting businesses started on our reservations. So it, it's something that, you know, is, is, is needed. And uh, it really is just, uh, you know, it's phenomenal to listen to these kids. Some of them are really good at this, you know, and they're only high school kids. 
Well, what have been some of the, the winning business plans in the past and have any gone on to become viable businesses in the communities? You know, I couldn't really tell you. And that's something, you know, that, you know, we as a board probably need to follow up on and talk with, with uh, Courtney about to see how many actually did start businesses that originated at l That's a really good question. Well, it took 45 years. I mean, it's just, uh, again, it astounds me that the tournament and all these other events have been going on now for more than four decades. And what do you think uh, L&I means to, to the Native community there uh, in western South Dakota, and then as well as, you know, some of these other folks that come in even from out of state? You know, I, I think a lot of it is, is, is this is an opportunity for them to compete against other kids from other schools, uh, other reservations. And win or lose, you know, I, I, I think it doesn't matter except maybe for basketball. You know, I know that's really important, but I think for some of these kids just being here, being part of it, it's so it's so important to them, you know. And you know, I, I guess you know I, I go back to a, a school that we we included in last year, and um, talking to their superintendent, he said, you know, when they were able to get into the tournament, their attendances went up, their grade levels went up mm-hmm. because kids wanted to be here. And they they never were in the I before. But once they, you know, were were asked to come in and they and they accepted and yes, we're going to Allen. I, the, the transformation within their school was just tremendous. So, so you know, it's something I think our kids look forward to. It's wonderful, yeah. wonderful to hear those positive outcomes uh, and kids more engaged in the classroom and they can trace that to, to this forty-five year old tournament, the Lakota Nation Invitational. Anybody with a question? Are you on your way to Rapid right now? Or are you already there checking out some games uh, tonight and tomorrow over the weekend? Give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. The federal government is providing more than $130 million to help selected tribes relocate because of climate change. At least three are in the process of moving and several others are in the planning stage. We'll hear about the threats tribes are under and how far federal money will get them toward a solution on the next Native America Calling. You are listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. The Lakota Nation Invitational is underway. Over the last 45 years, it's grown to include more than a dozen different competitions from golf and track to cheerleading and poetry. Are you in Rapid City to support an athlete in your family, watch some games, or maybe attend the powwow? Give us a call at 1-800-996-2848, 1-800-996-2848. We'll get your comments on the air. We're speaking with Chuck Wilson. He's president of the board for LNI. And Chuck, I'm interested... Sports like golf and track, uh, how do those work during these blizzard conditions? Well, you know what? It, it's kind of, you know, we used to just do a, a December event, and then we migrated into a volleyball. But, you know, our kids are, are competing year-round. So it, it was just, it, it was 
you know, we had to have a, a cross country, you know, a cross country meet. And we do that in the fall with uh, volleyball. We do that here also in Rapid City. Uh, the volleyball takes place in the new Summit Arena. Now all three match or all three, we have three courts going at the same time. Then uh, we do boys golf. We just really kind of started implementing what, what our activities association does in the state of South Dakota. And this is what our kids do in all of their schools. Um, you know, so we have golf and, and in the spring we do, we do uh, a, a girls season in the spring. Uh, boys in the fall for golf, and then um, we also do a track meet. Uh, now we, we implemented that here uh, three years ago, four years ago now. So, you know, we do track as well. So we're really become a, a year-round event, really. So some of these events, they don't all occur uh, during the second week of December. Some of them extend into the spring. Some of them kick off early in the fall. So like you said, a, a year-round event uh, just continues to grow. And I understand uh, things kicked off yesterday with a wrestling tournament, and I'm a big wrestling fan. How did that go? You know, actually, <laughs> we used to do wrestling on Saturday. Um, and the kids, one of the things that we had to do with wrestling at the time is we, we had them in Rushmore Hall, and we used to do it where they, we'd do our championship in Barnett Arena. Uh, we would dim the lights and just have a center, th- you know, the center lights over the, the, the mat, and our kids would wrestle. Well, we, we had to move it to Rushmore when we, we got into our 2014's tournament, and so we put them in Rushmore Hall, and, and the kids really wanted to be back into uh, Barnett, where they could wrestle their championship games under the light, under the light in the, in the, on the mat. And so we did that this year. That's why we might we, we pushed wrestling into Tuesday. It was the only the only thing we could really do. And you know, it was well attended. I was really surprised, even with the weather. Uh, great, some really good um, wrestling. Uh, you know, we started girls wrestling with Al and I last year. And this year we had really a lot of good matches with the girls. Uh, so, it, you know, it, it just is really going to hopefully become a really big event for us. As Brian shared earlier, you now have events going on at the new Monument uh, Center there, as well as some of these older venues. So where can folks go to, you know, if they're in Rapid or they're on their way to Rapid, to, to kind of get a lay of the land and, and know where the different events are going to be held and, and kind of figure out, you know, which events they want to attend and, and where they need to place themselves in order to do that? Well, I, you know, start with the website, and all our stuff is on the website, uh, the Lakota Nation Invitational.com. Uh, you can go get on that, and, and it'll tell you where, where it's going to be held and what room it's going to be held at. Uh, when you get into the monument, we do have a tournament headquarters that, uh, you know, Teresa can tell you, okay, this is being held on this day uh, in this room. So, you know, we do have, uh, you know, some things there in place that to, to help people out with that. So, Now, is the powwow just, uh, is it one day or two? Uh, actually one day, but I think they moved it now this year to Friday. It usually starts off the week on Wednesdays, but today, uh, you know, with the weather, they moved it to Friday. So, uh, it'll be just one day. And, and Chuck, uh, I understand you got involved just a, a year or two after I was founded. So you've definitely been in there since the very, very early days. And, uh, does it amaze you just how much the tournament and related events have grown over the decades? Oh, absolutely. You know, I started with Ellen. I, you know, really with my, my, my own kids that were, you know, participating, not, not only in basketball, but cross country, uh, in volleyball. And then we, you know, I, I, I was coaching at, at, you know, I'm the athletic director at Todd County high school and I started coaching there. So then, you know, I, I went into the coaching aspect 
off the hell and I. And then I, I just really, you know, took an interest in how it was being run because, you know, I met Brian and, and I thought, wow, you know, this is pretty, pretty, pretty cool event. I just really kind of want to know more about it. So I started going to their meetings and, you know, I was fortunate enough to get on the board and, uh, you know, it's, it's worked out today. So I really kind of did a full circle with Al and I, and, and, you know, I'm so glad that I, I, to be a part of this thing, it's just so, so special, so special for it. not, not only me, but everybody, I think that that's on the board and, you know, I compliment them on all the work that we have to do to, to get this thing rolling. And, you know, Brian is, is tireless in what he does with Al and I, and, uh, you know, we have such great coordinators that run all of our events and, and really they're the, they're, they're really the ones that make this thing work for us is all the coordinators, you know, that do each event. Yeah, it just must be a huge, huge team of people to, to pull this off every year. And, and Chuck, do you have any idea uh, for some of these teams that come from out of state, uh, what's the farthest anybody travels to I? Well, you know, we used, to, we used to have teams from Standing Rock to Standing Rock Reservation. Uh, we've, we've had teams from Wyoming come in. We have teams from Nebraska that come in. Uh, we've even had teams from Minnesota that have come and played in Illinois. So, you know, it, it's something that, you know, uh, I just got asked here a, a week or so ago that a team wants to come in and, you know, they want to know if there's any openings for, for, for basketball. And, you know, fortunately we don't, but, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, we get calls every year about, you know, people wanting to come here to play. So if we have another gym, it'd be great. I mean, we could add another eight teams if we needed to, you know, right now. So <laughs> It seems like the sky's the limit. I mean, you could just have, like, teams from all over Native America just be this, you know, even bigger than, than it is now. And uh, so exciting, so, so motivating, so inspiring. Uh, anybody, if you're there at L&I right now or you're on the road, we'd love to hear from you. 1-800-996-2848. Did you check out the wrestling yesterday or are you looking forward to some basketball games uh, coming up today and tomorrow or some of these other events, hand games, language bowl, business pitch competition? If you're going to attend any of those events, I would love to hear from you again. 1-800-996-2848. We've got another guest on the line, also up in Rapid City. Kelly Brewer is the coordinator for the cheerleading competition at the Lakota Nation Invitational. She's also Oglala Lakota from Pine Ridge. Kelly, welcome to the show as well. Hey, good morning, Sean. Uh, thank you for having me. You bet, Kelly. And tell us, how long have you been involved with L&I? Well, Sean, I, I, I could honestly say I've, I've been involved since the beginning <laughs> uh brian brewer is my father um so i was literally raised in the l and i um and then um throughout the years i became a participant in basketball cheerleading um in college i start volunteering for the tournament which i'm still doing today so i've kind of done a lot of different things with the l and i from um, volunteering at the art show to running the Lakota Language Bowl for three years, um, helping dad with different errands and things. And so, yeah, it's really, um, it's been our family's um, work for for my entire life. Well, it sounds like you definitely have uh, the LNI spirit in your blood and cheerleading. So tell us how many teams are, are competing in the cheerleading event this year? Yeah, so uh, this year we have 32 teams of eight. So we have 256 cheerleaders that are here in Rapid City this week, and um, they will be competing all week long um, for the cheerleading championship or the Golden Pom Pom, which is kind of our best team around. And then we have um, a dance competition 
on Saturday at 11 where um, the teams will compete strictly in dance and then we'll we'll do a, uh, our award ceremony at that point. I find it so fascinating how cheerleading has grown over the years. It's, beca- it's become a sport in and of itself now, right? I mean, some of these teams, they're not even attached to, to football or basketball teams. They just cheer independently. And Kelly, can you give us a breakdown uh, on these 32 teams? Are they are they, they football cheer teams? Are they basketball team uh, cheerleaders? Are they just cheerleading other sports? How does that work? Well, um, the cheerleading teams that are competing this week are all basketball um, cheerleaders for either girls basketball or boys basketball. The question coming up is, uh, well, can can we have wrestling cheerleaders? Uh, This year we have allowed one school in who is a non-native, non-LNI school who wanted to be involved in our dance competition on Saturday. Um, They felt that this was the best competition in the state and they wanted to get in, so we have allowed them. And they don't have a team here to cheer for, but they're going to compete against our other cheerleaders on Saturday. Yeah, that's good. Wonderful that you were able to accommodate that other squad coming in. We've got a caller on the line already, Roger, calling from Blackfoot, Idaho, and listening on KISU. Roger, hello, you're on the air. Hey, thank you for taking my call. I'm enjoying listening to this. I'll admit I am not Native American, but I enjoy listening to this, and I live very near the local reservation and then involved through athletics and other things with uh, some of uh, the Native American youth and, and very much enjoy my involvement with them. But as I listen to your discussion on L and I, my question is, is uh, are there other areas of the country that are trying to duplicate the good things that are happening with L and I, um, for example, areas too far to travel, uh, you know, Arizona, New Mexico, Oklahoma, uh, even Idaho, et cetera, uh, that are trying to do what Al and I is doing. Well, Roger, thank you for that question. And I'm going to go ahead and ask Chuck to respond to that. Chuck, uh, other Native communities, other states, other parts of the country, the Southwest, Idaho, further west in the Pacific Northwest, similar events to Al and I in some of those other areas of the country? Well, you know... I, I just offhand, and Brian can maybe answer this better than me, but I do know that Montana, uh, their schools were wanting to do something like this. You know, their native schools were wanting to do something like I. But I know their rules for, for games, the number of games they can play is a lot different than South Dakota. So, um, you know, but they actually come down and visited I and, and spent the week here to see how it ran. You know, some of their schools did. And, uh, you know, it, it – you know, I think there is some interest in some other of the areas. And you know what? Like I said, it takes good people to pull off an event like this. And we have such good people working for us. But, you know, we would welcome anybody, you know, that, that if they feel like, you know, they would like to start something like that. And I am sure that, you know, Brian or, you know, anybody on our board would sure sure entertain that. Uh, but Brian could probably answer this a little better okay. than me because he's been right. thing longer. but well, sure. Brian, please chime in. Uh, folks interested in replicating the success you've had up there in South Dakota. Yeah. Uh, you know, our Montana schools, uh, they have, a lot of them have wanted to come into the L and I, but because uh, the High School Activities Association of Montana limits them on the number of games that they play, they can't participate in L and I. But they are, right now, they have a classic, which is, was held last week. They want to start something like L and I. I was uh, going to go up and talk to him last week, but I got sick and I couldn't do it. 
but uh, the Montana teams, they, they want to start something similar to Al and I, and I really hope they get that going. You know, it would be great. And I don't know of any other places that uh, do that. Well, you have a big Indian basketball tournament like Nobby, but that those are not high school teams. Those are, you know, right. uh, kind of all, all-star teams, you know, that. Right, but, uh, yeah. This is a strictly high school, so it's a little different. Absolutely, for sure. Well, I want to ask Kelly as well. Kelly, costs, you know, all these teams, cheerleading teams, other athletes, families coming in. Um, is it expensive to, to get a team uh, for some of these sports, cheerleading and others, get them to Rapid, get them in the hotels? You hear about, you know, rates of some of the hotels being kind of high during this time of year. And uh, do communities do a lot of fundraising and other efforts to, to get their teams to L&I every year? I believe so. You know, most of the teams are sponsored by their schools, you know, and they plan ahead and they budget and all these different things for this event. But, you know, even on the cheerleading end, yes, they're constantly um, fundraising and doing things of that nature within their community to whether it's suits or, you know, just the extras. Because a lot of times the cheerleaders kind of get the, the, um, the bare bones. You know, the basketball players are the priority and the cheerleaders kind of second to that. But so they work really hard to, you know, get all those different things. <laughs> it was like that when I was a kid, too. And, you know, and, and some of the other sports as, as well. Uh, you know, we talked about the wrestling tournament earlier. And I remember as a wrestler in high school, we definitely uh, were sloppy seconds to the basketball team as well. But at, yeah, that's just the way it is, I think, in, in so many schools at basketball, especially in our native communities. It's just such a big sport. And, uh, well, Kelly, let's talk more about the cheerleading in, in these specific competitions uh, that the cheerleaders will, will be going through and the judging. And how's that going to be formatted? What's it going to look like? Well, throughout the week, um, cheerleaders will be judged on sideline things of showmanship, sideline cheer, sportsmanship, fan engagement, level of spirit, the crowd control, all those things. That'll take place throughout the whole tournament where judges are in place. They're watching and judging them now. They get bonus points for all the additional theme days that we have at L&I, be it MMIW Day or Breast Cancer Awareness, things of those natures, taking part of that. Um, And then the dance competition, this year we're doing something new. The dance competition is going to be judged by the coaches themselves. So we've never done that. We usually have a guest panel that comes in, but the coaches are on this 45th annual going to be judging that competition. So that's going to be really exciting because who knows cheer best but them. And uh, what kind of prizes are on the line? Trophies, bragging rights? uh, What do the winning teams earn? Well, we're going to give 32 all-tournament awards this year to cheerleaders, um, they will get a jacket and, and the medal. Then the Golden Pom Pom Award, which is the best team throughout the whole tournament, they get a, um, a set of Golden Pom Poms, um, which are kind of this is our second year doing that. Um, and so, and then for our Sportsmanship Award, they'll get you know a glass trophy and things like that. So we're giving out a lot of awards for this cheerleading competition, and, and of course the bragging rights, which is important <laughs> absolutely <laughs> the golden pom-poms i love it and yeah. the, the teams do they train year-round you know what a lot of them do more you know when i first took over the um cheerleading competition five years ago it was down to six teams there was six teams competing and we're moving that number up every year and getting the girls more involved in and their involvement in al and i now they're going to cheerleading camps now they're wanting to perform and 
in the bowls where that a lot of cheerleading teams can go to and and per, do halftime performances and so they're starting to work and build and we're seeing our level of Indian cheerleading starting to move up so we love that we're talking with Kelly Brewer she is the cheerleading coordinator at LNI Dakota Nations Invitational underway right now in Rapid City, South Dakota. We'd really love to hear from another caller today, somebody listening on the line with a question about LNI, or perhaps somebody that's already there and supporting their community team, uh, local athletes. The number 1-800-996-2848. You can also connect with us on social media. Put a post on our Facebook page. You can connect with us on Twitter, Instagram. We've got all those hot social media channels going as well. So I uh, would love to hear from some of our listeners today. Again, the topic is Lakota Nations Invitational Tournament this week in Rapid City. We'll be right back. If you or someone you know is feeling sad, hopeless, or experiencing a mental health or substance use crisis, call, text, or chat 988. 988 is a new three-digit dialing code for 24-7 emotional, mental, or substance misuse support. 988 connects you to free, confidential support. You are not alone in a crisis. Just call, text, or chat 988. For more information, visit 988.nm.org. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're focusing on the 45th Lakota Nation Invitational, and there's still time to join the conversation. Give us a call. Tell us what you love about LNI. We're at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Our fourth guest on the show is also in Rapid City, South Dakota this week, Corey Yellowboy. He's the coordinator for the Lakota Language Bowl at the Lakota Nation Invitational. He's Oglala Lakota as well. Corey, welcome to Native American Calling. So good morning to everybody listening and glad to be here. Corey, thank you for that warm introduction. And uh, obviously you are very fluent in the Lakota language. So how many years has the Language Bowl been an event at LNI? I'm. Uh, this is my first year as coordinator, so from I think my understanding, and I can defer to Kelly or Brian or Chuck, but uh, this is like the 23rd, I believe, year for the languageable part of it. Over 20 years. And uh, tell us, how many teams are scheduled to take part this year? Uh, we had up to around 35, and because of the weather situation, um, we had some teams that said they probably weren't weren't going to make it. And then we have other ones that are coming up from Pine Ridge to uh, tomorrow. And hopefully they, they get the roads cleared and stuff. So I've been in touch with uh, everybody. So it's, it's been a lot of coordinating to, you know, get the weather situation under control and travel. And main thing is for everyone to be safe. So. Now, Language Bowl starts tomorrow. What time? Uh, we're going to have the team start coming in. Uh, in the morning around 8 o'clock, and then they can uh, register, do their media release forms, the ones that haven't done it online, and uh, then we'll hopefully get going about 10, because we do have some teams that said they're not going to be able to get on the road till about 7, so we want to make sure we give them time to get up here and uh, get checked in. 
And, and what does the competition look like? How do the actual uh, the, the events take place? Well, we have it structured right now where we'll have three judges and uh, a moderator. And then we'll have two teams compete against each other. Uh, there'll be five five participants on each team. Um, but if they have three, then that's okay too. And they will, there's different um, categories and different things we're going to run through. There'll be a speed vocabulary where they'll have to, um, the moderator will give the, the word either in Lakota or in English, and then the students will buzz in and um, then have to answer that question. And there's, there's, other, there's other categories too. Now you say buzz in is I'm envisioning kind of like a Jeopardy game where you have contestants at a, at a panel and they have like an electronic control to to know when they to alert the the judges that they they want to answer a question. Is that how it works? Yeah, there'll be a buzzer in front of each student on both teams that they can hit, and um, you know it's one of those things that some people like the buzzer, and I've heard from other people they don't like the buzzer. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, I, I've heard from people on those shows, sometimes the buzzers don't work as, as quickly as they would like and they get frustrated. So uh, these kids that are competing, uh, some of them, uh, how long have they been, been studying and in, in mastering the Lakota language? Do you have some folks that, some of the kids that started from the time they were born? Uh, yeah, most likely. I mean, it goes up to, we have a high school category, so a lot of them that have been going to school their whole life have have had language in the, all the lower grades as well. So, but yeah, it just depends on, on how much they put into it and you know, how dedicated they were to it and that all come out. And is there a written component to it at all as well? Not a written component. It's more of, um, uh, we'll have some pictures up there. We select the different pictures that they will, um, start to describe and, you know, in detail and for the, and they're age appropriate. So the younger kids will have, you know, more um, kind of uh, easier pictures to describe. And as, as they kind of uh, advance in the age, then uh, they'll have to get more descriptive in their use of the language and what words that they use and verbs and stuff will have to be a little more complex than the little guys. Well, what's so wonderful about LNI is how there are just so many different events, different components to it, and some of these cultural competitions, uh, such as the Language Bowl, is just such an appropriate way to, to celebrate and recognize uh, the heritages of so many of the tribal communities that participate at LNI. Do you expect the Language Bowl to be well attended by fans and spectators? Yeah, we're we're hoping so. We have, uh, like I said, some uh, weather and road conditions, um, um, you know, that will kind of determine that. But for the most part, I think most people that were able to get up here have been able to get up here. And then I think the tomorrow, you know, it might clear out a little bit. So yeah, hopefully. But yeah, the it, it takes so much uh, coordination. Like I said, this is my first year as the coordinator for this. But um, just seeing the amount of of work that Brian and the board and uh, people at the monument and uh, just all the school staff and the teams and the coaches and a lot of coordination to to get this all together. 
And what about the the prizes and awards for competitors? I, I'm thinking uh, maybe there's not a way to say bragging rights in Lakota. I don't know, Corey. I, well, in you know the whole thing with uh, prizes too. Um, you know, we've been kind of having some meetings and stuff with different people and and seeing like uh, you know, and we're gonna have a suggestion box as well during the competition. And so anybody that does come in and attend, and maybe there's something that they would like to see and then hopefully not just a uh, suggestion but also like w what would their uh, what would their answer be like for what they're suggesting like what are their thoughts and then are their solution to it and we're gonna go over those and I know uh, you know we have got the awards we've got the um, we've got some trophies and some hoodies and we got some ribbons participation and stuff and you know, it's always uh, like, you know, they say it's really hard to judge your own people, uh, especially when it comes to language on on that kind of stuff. And so those are just things. I mean, it's all it's all in good, good sport and good fun. And, you know, there are some bragging rights to it, like, you know, for some of the schools and stuff and people take it seriously. So but yeah, so but it'll all be good, though. Well, I'm wondering also for kids uh, going to college, uh, I, I would think uh, an award uh, winning a competition like that would look great on a college application. Yeah, I, I think uh, all, all of the academics and all the, the participatory awards that you get throughout your elementary high school is all, is all going to be good, good towards that. And Corey, in addition to the Language Bowl, what other cultural competitions and events will take place this week there at LNI? Uh, I believe the hand games. Uh, I'd like to go sneak over there and check that one out as that one's going on too. Oh, hand games is always are always a good time. Um, but yeah, as far as the, the other competitions and what time, the archery, I know. I'm not sure what date that one's coming up. but uh, And we did have... Uh, a coach that was going to take an archery team, but uh, uh, unfortunately he fell, fell to the flu. So yeah, he's recovering. So, um, but yeah, those are all, those are all good competitions. And where does the archery competition take place? I'm not sure. I'm going to have to defer to Chuck or Brian on that. Okay. Chuck archery competition. What's the venue? It's held right there. It's held right here in the monument. It's held in one of the Rushmore rooms, um, at, right here at the monument. It'll be ta it'll take place on Friday. Now, are these traditional bows? Or are these more of the like the compound bows you see in the Olympics? Uh, what's the hardware for that? You know, you know they they did have uh, categories for traditional long bows and and, and stuff, but uh, you know. Um, a lot of the schools are using, you know, the the you know the newer bowls, the compound bowls. So that's really, I think, the focus of the of the competition now. Mm. Well, Corey, uh, did how long have you been? In, I mean, in the past, did you compete at LNI or have you coached before uh, over the years? Have you been involved? Uh, my one of my daughters took took part in it years ago, and. Uh, and so it's it's interesting to see how much it's it's changed. And um, no, I, w I uh, was a language instructor for the college and for over a decade. And um, I just recently came onto the uh, district as the Lakota language and uh, resource coordinator. And so that one of the one of the um, 
responsibilities is to coordinate the language bowl. And so it's been very, very interesting, very, uh, uh, it's been a learning process to it, but it's been very, it's, it's really interesting to, to see all the students. And I, I can't wait to see all the younger people uh, come together. And that's what always makes me feel good is when you hear them uh, speaking and you hear the language and um, yeah, that's, that's what I'm excited to see. And hopefully everybody is, it always makes you feel good. And do you think language bowls like this uh, have a big impact in, in terms of just retaining fluency and also encouraging uh, other families and, and young Native people to, to learn the language? Yeah, I think the, you know, the competition element of it, and, um, and I think just, you know, young people, they want to, especially if they've been working hard with their coaches, they want to, uh, they want to, you know, demonstrate how much they've learned and, um that's that's the that's the interesting part of it is to see and and to watch them watch them grow with their language ability over the years and yeah I think it's a great motivator. Mm-hmm. Corey Yellowboy, he is the coordinator for the Lakota Language Bowl and it starts tomorrow at the Lakota Nation Invitational. Uh, still, like a time for a call. If anybody would like to share any thoughts or any comments, one eight hundred nine nine six two eight four eight. And let's go back to Brian Brewer, uh, co-founder of LNI. And Brian, uh, so much going on this week. And uh, now, does it all wrap up Saturday or Sunday? No, it all ends Saturday. Um, our basketball. We try to have our our activities Wednesday through Friday. And, um, but this year it looks like some of our activities may go into Saturday, <laughs> but, uh, we try to have it all wrapped up uh Saturday evening. A lot of the schools will be heading home on Saturday. Those that play late, they'll, they won't go home until Sunday, but everyone will we'll have this year. We'll have everything wrapped up on Saturday. And all the hotels in rapid this weekend, are they all pretty booked? Do you know if there's any availabilities for folks that are maybe thinking about attending, but they're not quite sure yet? You know, the, I think there's probably going to be some openings. Uh, there's been some years where there's hard to get a room in Rapid City, but you know, Rapid City's built so many more hotels now that has, has really helped. Uh, but I think uh, for this tournament, I think they'll probably people won't have a difficult time finding a place to stay. Great, great, wonderful. And uh, I want to ask Chuck Wilson, because in addition to LNI and all of these sports and other events we're talking about, there are also some other types of events going on in Rapid that kind of coincide LNI. I know there's a big education conference uh, taking place. And any other uh, sort of events that kind of piggyback on LNI, Chuck? Well, I think I think just about everybody does. But, uh, uh, you know, a, a lot of the tribes uh, do their, their workshops up here during this time. I know right here within the monument there's a couple programs that that have you know uh you know workshops here but you said the educational aspect and and i think a lot of that goes on at the ramcota up you know up, you know in a different place but um you know a lot of things get get scheduled around l and i you know and uh so you know it's a pretty busy place here now, all the planning and preparation, uh, do you work on this year-round, or is, is there any break after after it wraps up before you have to go back to work and start planning next year's Invitational? Well, well for me, I, I, you know, i got to be back at work on Monday morning uh, as an athletic director. So, you know, but, we, you know, we usually get together as a board uh, to discuss Al and I, 
uh, start going over things that maybe we need to improve on. Uh, what, what, what would make this work a little better, you know? Um, so that starts in January. So really it is, you know, we, we don't have much of time. Uh, we try to keep that fresh in our minds so, we, you know, we can talk about it in, in January. Uh, and so, you know, planning's already starting right away. And let's go back to, to Kelly Brewer. She is the coordinator for the cheerleading competition. And, and Kelly, what do you want uh, for the, the cheerleaders that are competing this weekend, as well as folks that will come and support them? What do you want them to, to really gain out of this experience there with the cheerleading competition at, at L&I this week? Well, you know, for me, you know, the big push that I've always had since I've coordinated the cheerleading competition is getting the girls in the camaraderie. Um, bringing all of the different teams together. We have a pre-competition dance that we do before the dance competition on Saturday with all the teams. Last night we had um, a practice until about 8 o'clock working on that pre-competition dance, you know, just the showmanship for the crowd, but also a time for the, the girls and boys to come together, the cheerleaders to come together, and all the coaches to come together and really make new friendships and get those lasting memories. And, you know, that's what's most important to me is that they're having fun and that they're building new friendships because, you know, um, when you have the opportunity to bring all of the Ocheti Shakoni into um, one place at one time, we want to get these kids as connected to each other as possible. Lakota Nation Invitational this week in Rapid City, South Dakota. Big event. 45th anniversary and that is the end of our hour folks so we are going to have to wrap up the show but i would like to thank our four guests today from the lakota nation invitational brian brewer chuck wilson kelly brewer and Corey Yellowboy. good luck and safe travels to all the young athletes and spectators this week hope you join us again tomorrow for a discussion about federal funds for tribes that have to relocate because of climate change Until then, I'm Sean Spruce. We'll talk again soon. What if someone said you owe money to the IRS and have to pay with a gift card? What if they ask for a gift card so you can avoid arrest, help a family member, or keep your Social Security benefits? No real business or government agency will ever tell you to pay with a gift card. Anyone who does is a scammer. Gift cards are for gifts, not for paying someone. If anyone tells you to pay with a gift card, tell the Federal Trade Commission, the nation's consumer protection agency, at reportfraud.ftc.gov. Support by the Federal Trade Commission. This month and every month, remember, one in three Native American adults have high blood pressure. Check it at your nearest community health center. If the numbers are above 120 over 80, talk to a healthcare professional. Native community well-being is very important. You can take action by visiting heart.org slash hbpcontrol. This support provided in partnership with HHS slash OMH and HRSA under cooperative agreement CPIMP 211227 and CPIMP 211228. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.